2: each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is and, not uh, as simple know, I, as bringing
2: a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: I'm excited for this play-in around. I'm excited for the... The playoffs, and uh, I think that you're going to see that from the 24 teams. Life is short in that five-game series, and I think every team is probably prepared extremely well. So let's get it to, to the next level. Let's just play with our identity. One well, a compact series, best of five versus three. Yeah, every game is
1: that much more important, and you got to be you got to be going game one. There's a small window here for us to build up.
0: I think we found our chemistry a bit. I think we all get more comfortable. We ended
2: the season. I think uh, playing our best hockey. So
0: we're just hoping to get back to that that level and intensity and bring them to Toronto. The
2: Islanders country. Hello, this is PT Isles, the Restart Me Up edition. I'm Isles Blogs Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and all Lighthouse Hockey podcasts on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Today, we're bringing back the roundtable in original PT Isles format with Isles Blog contributor Rob Taub, now working at the New York Post, and James Nichols, co-host of the Nassau Men Hockey Podcast for the Hockey Riders. Gentlemen, how are you doing?
1: It's great to talk to you guys, and it's great to be talking about hockey again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I've been sitting around for the past couple of months, just kind of hoping and praying that we had something to do soon and finally here, so it's exciting to get going.
2: Yeah, same here. I think uh, hockey, you know, did a really good job. As did at the NBA as well. I mean, baseball and football obviously had their problems, but it sounded like it felt like hockey and the and uh, the NBA both uh, took this extremely very seriously right away, and they had to suspend their seasons. Yet still, were kind of uh, clearly right away in focus about what they could potentially do, you know, July and and come August and 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 working out all the logistics while obviously keeping player safety. At the top, so I know uh, Gary Bettman automatically gets booed, uh, no matter where he is. But uh, kudos to him and the rest of the owners and the players, because uh, there's pretty much no drama with the NHL, and um, kind of always felt like unless the things really turned turned worse, uh, they were going to be able to play hockey again this year. Um, now it's all relative, speaking of course, but um, you know the Islanders, I got to say, probably benefited as or as as much as if not most, of any of the teams that are going to be still playing hockey um, in these bubbles, Toronto in Edmonton, not only were they in the midst of a losing streak and flip-sliding their way out of the playoff picture uh, when this happened, they're getting healthy, and then the matchup. Now, not to say that Florida Panthers uh, can't beat the Islanders. They certainly can, especially in a five-game series, Rob. Um, but uh, when you look at the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Blue Jackets, I think Islander fans would have picked the Panthers out of those choices.
1: I believe so, too. I think the, the Panthers are a little bit of like a, a mirror image uh, of the Islanders in a sense. You got the new coach in Joe Quenville, You got a, a bunch of good players. And then you got a lot of role players that are still trying to figure out, you know, their niche. I I feel like this this series could be a total chess match. Uh, just a, it depends on who's going to blink first.
2: The,
1: sorry. Yeah, it depends on who's going to blink first. I, I, I like the Islanders, I really do in this series, I, I think them getting healthy is a huge, huge benefactor, I think if they weren't going in healthy and they were going to have to deal with Barkov and with Huberto and with Dadenov and all the other Ovs uh, I think they would have a problem, but I think that they match up very well uh, you know, a lot of people say this is not going to be the most sexy series, but I think if you're an Islander fan, you've got to be very happy that they drew the Panthers because the Panthers... Panthers, uh, I, they're not as great a team as people think they are, and uh, you know they were they were starting to get a little bit hot, you know, when when the whole pandemic hit. But I feel like the Islanders and them are they're they're almost kind of yeah they're they're a mirror image of each other, and I think you know it's just uh, I, I think if you're an island fan, that's the series you wanted.
0: Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on on uh, what's, what Rob is saying. I agree with that totally. You know, when the Islanders. Uh, took on the Panthers a couple of years ago. I think we were all saying the same thing. We're happy it's the Panthers. Uh, but like Rob said, we're fully healthy now. You know, the addition of Adam Pellick back in the lineup, uh, we saw what he did last year against Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think uh, the, the top the defensive pair of Pulak and Pelik should have no problem doing the same thing to guys like Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. So I think that this was definitely the matchup that our under-fans wanted, and they've definitely benefited from the uh the, the NHL pause.
2: And you feel like any team that uh gets out of this first five game series in the qualifying round will have some momentum. They'll all be underdogs most likely, considering the top uh two teams in each division got the bye per se, not having to participate in the qualifying round. But you know, if you start winning a series and you got playoff hockey type atmosphere, relatively speaking, uh, minus the fans, of course, uh, that's yeah. going to give an advantage to the Islanders if they were to win and then go on to play the Lightning. And I think that is the same for any other team uh, that comes out of the best of five going into the more traditional uh, first round of the playoffs.
1: I I, I completely agree. I, I think if the Islanders could get done with this series quickly, which I, I don't see as that as a total like uh, where well, they can't do that, uh, I think if they get the offense going, I think if you're going to have a refresh Matthew Barzell, you're going to have a bunch of you're going to you're going to have a guy, a lot of guys who are getting a second chance at to really right their wrong that they had this season. Whether it was Andrews Lee, whether it uh, it was Josh Bailey a few times, and you know you can go down the list of names. But I I feel like this second chance really really provides a lot of motivation and. Yeah, I, I I think that they can win this series. I do I do. I think it's going to be a hard fought series. I don't know. I I, I feel like the Both teams have certain strengths. Both teams have certain weaknesses. And it's whoever is going to expose whoever weakness. They're going to win the series. And you know, you even go back to what Barry Trotz says about goaltending. And if the Owls get hot goaltending, whether it's from Barlam from Semi or Thomas Grice, you know, they could totally be on to the second
0: round. You know,
1: quicker than we thought. So
0: yeah I'm of the opinion that you know a lot of people are saying it's going to be hard for the players to motivate themselves to maybe you know, buy in to win this series because there's not going to be any fans. But I, I don't buy that. I think that you know, if anything, the players are going to be more motivated to uh, you know, go out and, and play their hardest game, because this is the most level playing field any team or, or, or any, any sport can, can possibly start with. You know every team is starting with a, with a healthy lineup. every team is starting you know, zero losses, it's a complete restart. So this is a very even playing ground. I wouldn't say, you know, too many teams have a a bigger advantage over another. You know, I know people are going to turn around and say, well, the Islanders don't have the same scoring power as the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, uh, you know, with everyone healthy and fully fresh and ready to go, anything could happen. So I know everybody says, you know, there might be an asterisk next to this cup, but a cup is a cup. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to motivate every single player. And I think that the Islanders – benefit from this immensely and they have a, a real opportunity here to capitalize
2: yeah you'll you'll take the asterisk with the cup as opposed yeah, to absolutely you know cup no cup at no cup at all i mean of course any fan base that ends up winning this is going to feel what it would have been like if um the pandemic didn't happen and this was a traditional uh playoff series but you know you heard the comments even from barry trotz and You know, I think he was sincere in saying this. In some ways, this is going to be the hardest one ever to win with all the challenges that every team is going to have to face, whether it be motivation, whether it be staying within the bubble, not being able to see your families, the health checks, all all the other things that kind of go into trying to make this happen over the next couple of months. Uh, In some ways, it could be the hardest uh, trophy to win, plus, of course, the extra playoff playoff round, the qualifying round, uh, for many of the teams as well. Uh, P.T. Isles, Joe Bono chatting with James Nichols of the Hockey Riders and Rob Tau. I want to talk about other Islander good news that has happened during this break because there has been quite a bit of it. And uh, I think first and foremost, it is the Belmont Arena. Um, mm. I got a little bit of boost every couple of days whenever I would see construction continuing to going up in, in the early March-April phase. Had to get shut down for a period of time. You're worried, is this going to impact uh, their schedule, which was an aggressive schedule to begin with, the start of the 21-22 season. Uh, of course, uh, that was lifted. Construction was able to commence yet again. And it's really coming together. It seems to be coming together really quickly. We get some new renderings. Islanders also announced a partnership with UBS Arena this week. And a, a big, you know, financial commitment to the Islanders uh, long term uh, by UBS. And um, you know, Rob, I mean, it can't be un- it can't be understated um, how how much this means not only to the fan base to have a place called home. And John LeDecky talked about it this week about this gets rid of the idea that players will not come here because of the arena, because of the uncertainty around the team. They're going to have a world-class arena that I think is going to be the envy of many franchises at the NHL.
1: Absolutely, uh, 100%. This week, really, the last two weeks, and basically this whole summer, aside from what has gone on with the fans, it's been a monumental change for the Islander franchise. And, you know, you mentioned the re- watching those, seeing those renderings and seeing the construction just move Day after day, and we're getting closer and closer. It's not, you know, it's only it's only about another fifteen or so months away. It's not that's not that far off. But yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head, and what LeDecky said is absolutely true. You know, everything that came out of his mouth about players not wanting to be here, every single aspect of that is going to change. And I know we get a lot of feedback, and I, I know I do on Twitter when I mention it. Uh, people say, "Oh, what about the cap and about the team being competitive." Players, when the players who come here, see that new building. They're going to make the team competitive. You know, it's it, it, you know it's the, the it's a factor. That's a factor in the team being competitive for the next you know five ten years. But having that building and seeing it go up, it's going to attract agents. It's going to do everything that has been missing for the Islanders for the past I don't know I would say twenty years when it comes to just being relevant to you know the hot, the top end players around the league. It's really – it's going to be a game changer. You know, I can't stay, I can't say enough
0: – you know, these are
1: great – it's a great time to be an Islander fan. And, you know, that building, it's going to be spectacular. The, the fans are going to love it. Uh, I'm just – I'm very – I'm jacked up for it. And, uh, you know, we, we could say this summer the whole pandemic could throw it, – it could have thrown a whole wrench into it. But this pandemic was probably the most important thing or even the most crucial thing that happened for the Islanders – to, you know, get to where they want to be. You know, I, I know that sounds a little rough around the edges, but, you know, it's hard not to say say it like that.
0: Yeah, the good news is that, you know, when the pandemic hit, it didn't mean everything needed to go on pause for as far as the construction for uh, the arena. There were things that people were able to do, work from home, to be able to continue the progress to move forward with Belmont, uh, the now UBS Arena. This partnership with UBS Arena gives them, you know, Uh, An identity now, you know, we're going to be nicknaming it The Bank, The Stable. Um, It's The Bank. Rob hit the nail. Yeah, The Bank. (laughs) Rob Rob hit the nail on the head with, you know, when when unrestricted free agents see this building, it's going to go up and they're going to say to themselves, you know, I want to play in uh, an arena that's state-of-the-art like this. Um, You know, and when players come here too, when they come to Long Island, you know, Jordan Eberle signed on Long Island, and he wound up signing an extension after after he got traded here. And, you know, he loves playing on Long Island. He loves being on Long Island. People like living in Long Island, not just on, playing hockey there.
1: On Long Island. Oh, never said Did I name say name.
0: in? Excuse me. <laughs> on. I apologize.
2: Uh, that's so that's it, because it, it James really lives does... in Staten Island. <laughs> that's yeah, true. I do. Okay, I live like... in
0: Staten Island. <laughs> they like playing and living on Long Island. Um, you know, it changes the whole dynamic of the franchise. It's, it's, it's long overdue. Um, no Nassau Coliseum renovation would have really lived up to the standard that the UBS arena is going to be. Um, and, you know, players like, you know, look at this, this coming off season. It's going to be hard to do, but Taylor Hall might turn around and say to himself, maybe I want to go play with my best friend over in, uh, over in the UBS arena and, and play for the Islanders. You know, it, it, like I said, we're cash-strapped. It's going to be hard to do, but big-name free agents like that are going to come to Lou Lamarillo and say, "All right, let's talk. Let's talk a, a deal. Let's try to work it out."
2: It's the next phase of this. They've already established that pl- players, with one big name uh, withstanding, um, players that play here want to stay here right now, given the Barry Trotz, Lou Lamarillo, and Belmont coming. The next phase of this is attracting that big name free agent who has not experienced Long Island and the New York Islanders already because they recognize, uh, the arena being, be there, uh, being there, being state of the art, um, and being a quote unquote stable franchise upon uh, someone intended. Um, sure. I'm not going to call it bank. Um, I know Rob Tav wants to call it the bank. I know, uh, Laura Curran said, uh, they should take it to the bank and now John Ledecky saying that we're going from the barn to the bank. I don't love the bank. It's the nickname. I think we can do better. I think just calling it Belmont more than likely will be what people say. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We can replay the tape whenever it happens. I think <laughs> there's a lot of banks out there. I don't, <laughs> don't really feel a connection whatsoever. I wish it wasn't uh, two syllables. I wish it was just something a little bit sharper than the stable. Plus, like, you know, again, the stability of the franchise as well, and obviously the horse racing theme. And then, you know, you're going to breed players and breed, breed an identity, I think, coming from the same stable of, uh, of, of ice hockey, uh, you know, the way Get Barry Trotz teaches. So there's a lot of things I like about stable, too, but it's a, it's a difficult name um, to, to work through. Um, I, I listened to Sirius XM radio this week. Uh, which I don't often get a chance to. Do. I was just in the car at the same time that they had John LeDecky and Tim Lewicki on from Oakview um, on, and it was a fantastic interview. Not that the questions were that great; they didn't ask many questions. It just that LeDecky and and Tim were were going back and forth and just on message, positive outlook. I mean, it just made me so proud uh, to be a fan of this franchise, and that they're not just building a new arena they're building what they believe will be the premier arena, not only in New York, but in, of course, the rest of the NHL. And the amount of feedback that they got going around the league to find the very best things that Venus did and wanted to make sure that, talking to players to say, what has been the experience of you going into other arenas that you'd like and have to carry over? Even talking to musical acts to say, what as a musician do you want to see? when it comes to playing at, a, at an arena. So they've taken all of this into account, and I think it's going to be really, really special. Um, and I think there are more bathrooms at this place than there are in any other arena, which is a far, far cry, of course, um, from the Nassau Coliseum. So um, you can't say so can enough have- how much this is. Yeah, of course. Go ahead, Rob.
1: No, so uh, even... Just even the uh, name—I know people will say, you know, it's just a name—but that $350 million that is coming with that deal at UBS, that is going to real. I feel like it's going to be a really big benefactor for them in the future. Whether it is, it is attracting free agents or whether that's extra money that they'll be able to spend and put into the franchise to make. And you know, you say that they're they're building, you know, a state. They're not just building an arena here. They're building a new identity. These owners, John Wedecky, Scott Malkin, when they first showed up, they wanted to build a new identity for this franchise. And you know what? They've lived up to their word. They weren't just in it for the real estate. They've every single thing that they said they're going to do. And the next thing is to win a Stanley Cup. And hopefully that it could be at the end of the summer. It could be a two or three years now. Whatever it is, that building is creating a new identity. And the owners, you know, you just you can't praise them enough. They've done a, a masterful job. And what they're doing for the fans, you know, they're giving everything back. The loyalty, the, you know, the heartache, you know, fans, when the when the first time when everyone walks into that building, whether it's me, James, or even you, Joe, we're going to be astonished by what we see, because we never thought we'd see today that the brand new identity for the Islanders is actually going to come to fruition.
0: And uh, I actually totally agree with this, that, too, because I think one of the biggest uh, things that this is going to do for not only the organization but the, the fan base as a whole is give everybody a sense of relief because there's been such, uh, it's been such a long time where people, uh, fans and everyone around the NHL has been asking themselves, well, where are they going to play? What, what's the arena situation like? You know, are they going to move out of New York? Is it going to become uh, a, a situation where you know, I know that the Kraken was just named, but if Seattle didn't have a team, maybe we'd move there. Maybe they'd have to move to Quebec. That's no longer an issue. Everyone knows now Long Island the the Long Island hockey team is staying for good. They have a, a an agreement for was it 40 years? Is it 50 years?
1: I think it was. It might have been 30, but I, I would have to look it up.
0: Either way, the the, the agreement for the next 30, 30 plus years it, it just gives everybody a, a, you know the peace of mind. Long Island's team is here to stay. The state of the art arena is is a huge bonus. The, the team is moving in in the right direction finally after such a low – after, you know, the 1980s, you had that small period in the, in the 90s where the, the team was, was looking like they were going to go in the right direction. And then from, from that, then on, it was just, you know, a, a downhill slope. So it's just positive news for the There's Lots of positivity moving forward, and it's just it, – it's wonderful.
2: And I posed this question on Twitter yesterday. Um, you know, is it fair to say that the Islanders' 2011 referendum being voted down – turned out to be a good thing for the long-term future of the franchise. And I don't think two years ago you could have said that, but I think right now I feel the the answer is yes. I know there are certain fans that would love for the arena itself to be located uh, where the Coliseum is for a variety of reasons and uh, the parking lot and the tailgating and and just being able to get there from 10 to 15 minutes. And for a number of fans, uh, getting to Belmont in in Elmont, New York, will be a little bit longer. Uh, But I think in the big, big picture, um, that referendum going the way it did is ultimately a good thing uh, when you look at where they're going to be uh, starting the 21-22 season. And then someone replied to that question and saying, we're also lucky that Barclays was such a bad arena that is for true. hockey. Because, <laughs> because if, 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 if Barclays Center was originally built um, as it was supposed to be for two sports and there were no obstructed seats and it worked as a hockey arena too. And you couldn't blame the sight lines, uh, for that. Um, you know, maybe they just would have stuck it out there and tried to kind of, uh, build a new fan base, uh, in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Um, and, uh, you know, it would have been very difficult for a long period of time for the Suffolk County and Nassau County fans to get there.
1: Yeah. All right. Just one, one last thing, just to piggyback off that poll, Joe, I think that as much as I hate to say it, Barclays center being their home was the bigger was the uh, the bigger benefactor instead of the, the referendum because not only were did did we see how bad it got for them, but the owner John Ledecky and Scott they were forced they were forced their hand to get the team back to Long Island. They, they had no other choice, there was nowhere to go. So I feel like them moving to Barclay Center as much as people hate it, as much as I hated it, it was bigger than the referendum. I really believe that. but we can agree to disagree.
2: No, I think they both needed to happen. I think um, the writing was on the wall that they could not have a viable franchise playing at the Barclays Center long term um, and playing, obviously, at NYCB Live, uh, National Coliseum, uh, the new barn um, was not going to work long term either. And Gary Petman kept on saying that. And I would love to, you know, eventually for someone to speak to John Ledecky to say, how early did you know that? you were not going to end up being in Barclay Center? Was it even before they ever dropped the puck in Brooklyn in 2015 that you had your eyes set on somewhere else? I think the answer is yes. And I think Scott Malkin and him, when they became the majority owners in that 2014-15 season, they knew it was the final year at the Coliseum, and I think they were already laying the groundwork to, to do something somewhere else, whether that was going to be willis Point or ultimately uh, Belmont and uh, New York State is doing it. They had to put the money, it's all privately financed, and that's why the naming rights and the money there mean so much as well, a uh, billion dollars plus uh, to get this done. So kudos to John Ledecky and Scott Malkin. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names
2: together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. PT Isles podcast. Joe Bono joined by James Nichols of the Nassau Men Hockey Podcast for the Hockey Writers And Isle's blog contributor, now working at the New York Post, Rob Taub. Um, Another good news, the white whale has come ashore, as um, our friend Michael Carver uh, said this week on his podcast. And i would never really had too much of a doubt that this was going to happen. uh, After the last year or so, I felt confident that he was going to come over but then you had this added wrinkle of the pandemic and the contract scenario, and it just was kind of like, oh my goodness, when is it going to finally, finally occur? We had the little scare of the uh, trade rumor at the at the deadline of uh, of getting traded to the Blackhawks uh, for for about twenty thirty minutes as well. But he's here. He's not only signing just to practice and and be with the team and and, and get to, to, get tutelage from Mitch Corn. He's here for this year and then also signed the extension beyond that as well. So he's going to be uh, part of a tandem with uh, Varlamov next year, Rob. And we're going to find out how good he is because, um, best goaltender outside North America has said for a couple of years, you had a, a former Canadian coach that's now coaching in the KHL this week saying that he's like Dominic Hasek. He has, he can make that kind of impact. Only he's more technically sound than Hasek and <laughs> Hasek's a hall of fame goaltender. Um, so, um, uh, Again, it's another huge, huge uh, event in potentially the history of the franchise.
1: Of course, absolutely it is. And, and, you know, a little, just uh, just like Belmont, the story of of Sorokin, trying to get Ilya Sorokin to come here. You know, one day either I'm going to write that book or someone's going to write that book, which is going to be you know just full of great stories. But you know, <laughs> you're totally right. You're you're totally right. It's another game changer for the Islanders, and you know, a lot of people are still saying they want to wait to see the you know if he lives up to the hype. You know, I'm, I'm aboard the hype train. I really don't care. Uh, the, just the way that this guy, you watch the highlights and you just, the way this guy is, uh, his character, uh, the way he goes about his business. The Islands are probably like, I, I'm not going to, you know, go ahead and throw out that he can turn into Dominic Hashik, but if that's what I'm, if that's what everyone's saying, you know, I'm going to be on the hype train. I mean, we've seen everything we need to see from this guy. And I know he hasn't played a game at the NHL level. I know he hasn't played a game that, uh, you know, with North, on uh, North American ice, but you know what? He looks like a guy who he doesn't, is not going to need a lot of experience, uh, not a lot of learning to, you know, get himself ready to go. And if he can, him, if he could do what Igor Shostorkin did for the Rangers, I, I you know, I hate to reference it, but you have to, you know, the Islanders, uh, they, they could have one of the best goaltenders in the world, uh, in the NHL for the next you know, 10 years. It's just, it's another huge step into the future for this franchise who have also been looking for a franchise goaltender for the last two decades. Other than having, you know, a little bit of that in Ricky. It's just, just great. It's another development that was needed and, uh, you know, kudos to Llanro for sticking to his guns. I'm glad he, he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, let down on his shield and, you know, It's it's just another it's just another thing fans can be excited about. It's just more excitement, more good things are coming, and you know I can't wait to see when this guy steps on the ice this week. If he if they if he does step on the ice, you know just to practice, you know everyone everyone's just going to be you know uh, just shocked that he's actually wearing an Islander uniform and he's actually practicing with the team. It's just it's wild times right now.
0: Yeah, Rob, Rob hit it the nail on the head with, you know, just finally are, are going to be getting their franchise goaltender, something that they've been searching for for a long time. Uh, it makes sense that he's finally signed with Lou Lamorello being the, uh, the GM because we all know Lou Lamorello builds from the net out, and he got his goaltender. So, listen, the resume for Sorokin speaks for himself. Uh, you know, Garganian Cup champ, five-time all-star Olympic gold medalist, he, he has so so many accolades already on his resume. He's done all he can outside of North America to solidify himself as the best goaltending prospect in the game. Uh, I believe a couple of weeks ago, Corey Pronman uh, of The Athletic wrote an article about the best goaltender uh, prospects out there right now. And, and sure enough, Elias Rokin was number one. So we have a lot to be excited about with him. I know everybody says, you know, let's see what he could do on North American ice, but there's reason to believe he's going to be able to do it. Uh, A lot of people say, look at Igor Shesterkin of of the New York Rangers. Look what he did. Well, Ilya Sorokin is that much better than him. So there's a real possibility. uh, Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, James, (laughs) you're
2: uh, starting things up a little early here. I mean, mean, that rivalry uh, is going to be fun because the guys have a good personal relationship as well, which... I guess adds to it. I mean, I guess you would want people to hate each other, but the fact that they have a history, the idea that you were going to have two rookie goaltenders or two very young goaltenders, the Islanders yeah. and Rangers, most likely, in net and be their future goaltenders, and these guys have a history that no one saw kind of play out, is really going to be fun, I think, for the franchise. Yeah, no,
0: I, I totally agree. And, and I'm just speaking in terms of things that I've read from – uh, analytical perspectives and, and uh, you know I, I, Jillian Kamara of the, uh, the the main KHL reporter has even stated uh, you know you, you guys thought Igor Shesterkin was you know uh, great in net for the New York Rangers wait until you see Ilya Sorokin uh, it is believed he is you know that much mm-hmm. better than than uh, Shesterkin was in net for the Rangers so time will tell we still have to see um, but the, the general hype is that you know Sorokin is the real deal and uh, we should be, we have a lot to be excited about
2: we certainly do, and guess what? We have something to be excited about, even if the Islanders lose in the qualifying round, because the to-be-determined team has the number one pick in the draft, and the Islanders yeah. job, um, protected their top three picks. So, yep. I mean, listen, you want to win, you want to win the qualifying round, but it is a nice consolation prize for a team that gave up their first-round pick to at least have a chance, have a what is it, twelve and a half percent chance to one of the eight teams that will end up getting the number one pick.
1: Uh, you know, it's a great constellation prize, like you said. But I – and I didn't really get this perspective from a lot of people when they when they announced the whole draft lottery thing. And I don't fans it's like, oh, like why even bother playing? Like let's just lose and we'll tank for Lafreniere. You know, it's not a good look, but I, I get the sense – I get the sentiment. But you know what? This is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And like every player has said on this team and every coach has said and every GM has said – this is a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and you cannot afford uh, these these times and this unprecedented chance. They don't come around too often. And so, you know, as, as much I would be happy, uh, I would be happy if they did get the number one pick and they won the draft lottery. I'd rather see them lift the Stanley Cup. But, You know, that's just me. And if even if they get, if they do get knocked out by Florida, you know, okay. Let's see what their chances are, and it would be, like I said, it would be fantastic because Lafreniere would he'd be a, another impact guy that would, co- I think he would come in and be exactly what the Islanders needed on the wing and just, uh, you know, exactly what they've been missing. But I, I'm, I, I just didn't get that sentiment like, hey, these guys are playing for the Stanley Cup. They've made the playoffs two years in a row now. Let's see what they can do because it's such, a, like James was saying, it's such an even playing field. Who knows what's going to happen? The going go on an amazing run, even if they don't win the Stanley Cup, they can end up, end up in the conference finals or you know anywhere close to that. It's just you don't take these chances for granted, and especially now with the situation that the world is in, the situation that the NHL put these teams in, you know, uh, I, I, I'm I'm not thinking about the number one pick in LaFreniere right now. I'm thinking about the Islanders beating Florida and you know seeing where if they can go on a, uh, you know a run this summer.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you brought this up because I wrote an article about this a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe about a month ago, uh, you know, on the first overall pick. Um, and I prefaced it by saying, no, I'm absolutely not sitting here saying the Islanders should lose the playing round. In fact, I hope that they win, and I, and I hope they go on a deep playoff run. You have to think about veterans on the team like Johnny Boychuk. Johnny Boychuk is not sitting there and saying, you know what, let's tank I- at a chance for Lafreniere. Johnny Boychuk is-, is getting up there. He wants to win a Stanley Cup, another Stanley Cup, and he's not thinking about, you know, five years in the future, what's going to be good for the team? He's thinking about right here, right now. So guys on the team, they don't they don't think like that. They don't say, oh, we need to, you know, tank and, and try to get that first overall pick. You know, we only have twelve twelve and a half percent chance. Let's try it anyway. No, they're not going to do it. Um, but do I mean, you the think other Matthew
1: hand, Barzell gives a damn about you know the number one pick? No, he wants to win the Stanley Cup. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't,
2: I'm not, it's not, to me, it's not even a question that the players no, want to win. It's not, I don't even think it's not even in their thought process or the coaches. As a fan, though, listen, you could get swept yeah. in three games. You could wait four months for hockey and it could be over. You know, it could be over by Tuesday right. afternoon at 3 o'clock or Wednesday yeah, afternoon absolutely. at 3 o'clock. And then what are you going to go? Are you Are going to go, mm, well, okay, well, now I'm going to pay attention and see what happens with the draft. It just gives you one more thing to kind of look forward to or hope for, and especially after you give up your first-round pick for Pajot and know that it's the first pick if you win and you've just elevated your odds from you know, below 3% to potentially 12.5%. Uh, again, it was another fortuitous uh, thing that's happened uh, in this uh, three- to four-month pause. Uh, for the Islanders, let's uh, just quickly talk about some on the ice questions that are out there, and then we'll wrap things up. We talked earlier about the team getting healthy, Szekelys, Boychuk, Adam Pelich, all those guys who weren't part of the lineup as the team was sliding there in um, uh, late February, early March, will be back and be perfectly healthy. Uh, now, Andy Green is a player that they acquired for a second-round pick to solidify the defense because Pelich is going to be out for the rest of the year, and now he's not. And now there may not be a spot for him, Rob. I mean, do you think Barry Trotz... I mean, he is a prototype, Lamarillo-Barry trotz hype defenseman, but what do you do? Where do you play him? How does that work out?
1: Well... This, this is where the Owls are going to have a great advantage, and I, I know they announced their roster uh, a few hours ago, and they're bringing 10 defensemen with them. You know, Andy Green might not start. He, he might not play in game one. He might not play in game two, but he can, you know, sure as hell play in game three if trots, you know, if that's the, the way he wants to go. You know, the, the Owls will be able to throw out, and it doesn't even just mean Green, but even a guy like Noah Dobson, they're going to be able to throw out so many different defensive combinations if it comes down to that. And if, you know, there's a drop in play by whoever, but, uh, you know, a guy like green, uh, I I feel like he's not going to be that upset if he's a number seven on on a team that has a chance at winning a Stanley cup. And if he can play here and there and contribute, because he does have playoff experience. I mean, he's, he was with the New Jersey devils for a long time and they made the playoffs. Most of the years he was there before, you know, everything went to hell. So I, I I wouldn't call it like a disadvantage of having him not play. I I think it's actually a significant advantage because if you have guys like Boychuk and you know the a little bit like a a guy like him who's a little bit older and you know his body, even though he had four months off and he and he's fully healthy, but you know the playoff games are you know they're they're fast, they're furious, and you know you take a guy like Boychuk who you know might not be able to you know have that play that physical style you know, for, he should be for a three-game series, but if he ends up, you know, just in case he doesn't, you have another guy in green who's going to be fully healthy, who's 100%, he'll be fresh, and he can contribute, you know, at both ends of the ice, but I don't know. I, I think he I think he could play. I think Noah Dobson actually has a better shot of playing than he does because from what it sounds like in camp, and, and I, I wrote about it earlier this week, if Dobson wins a spot, that's great for him because it bodes well for his development, and it might be that little hint of, okay, this guy, if, if we're going to trade Nick Letty in the offseason or whatever happens, we have Dobson as our, as our backup ready to go and this guy could be a number two or number three defenseman.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the core of defensemen that the Islanders are bringing to Toronto, I think it's safe to say this is possibly the deepest defensive core of all the playing uh, teams that are that are currently taking part in the qualifying round. Um, the, good, the good news is that everyone's healthy. Adam Pellick is, is a huge boost to this defense. You know, like I said earlier, we know what he did last year against Crosby and Malkin. You know, now they have the opportunity to bring uh, a veteran like Andy Green. Uh, Noah Dobson has been said to look really good in the, in the training camp paired with Andy Green. You know, Trotz had said they look just as good as any other pair out there. So some guys might be on short leashes because they don't have that much time to sit there and say, all right, let's see how they do in game two. If somebody has a bad game one, you could very well see in game two a defensive pairing swap. You know, so if say Nick Letty has a bad game, you could see Dotson go in there and, and replace him because a best-of-five series, you don't got much time. You got to win. So Trotz might keep some guys on short leashes, but having eight reliable, healthy defensemen going into the playoffs, it, that, that's an unbelievable depth right there.
2: And uh, speaking, of course, now of the forwards, uh, the fourth line will be intact. Um, Clutterbuck, and Martin, dad, congratulations to him in Sydney, of course. Uh, Scott Mayfield, by the way, he had to reschedule his wedding. So some events, like a pregnancy, have to go on no matter what. Uh, <laughs> the wedding, A wedding can be delayed uh, due to the qualifying round. I'm sure he'll get married uh, real, real soon. Um, but when you look at the Islanders a kind of forward group, the question right now coming up most amongst fans and writers is what is the makeup of the third line and what can you really expect from the third line? Now, Paggio is going to be the center there and we've already seen in the very brief sample size that he can contribute on the penalty, contri- penalty kill he can contribute in the power play, but we really, really have yet to see him kind of just have a line that's his and kind of just go with it. So, uh, Rob, we'll start with you in terms of what do you think of this forward group overall and those line combinations, but you know more specifically what that third line means for them.
1: I think their forward group. Uh, I I think it it could be very good. It could also be very bad. I do, and I think I mentioned <laughs> this before. I, I think I mentioned this before. I think with them being refreshed and re-energized and having Casey Azizkas back and having a a, a ready to go Matthew Barzell and guys like Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson who you know had a few months to you know to rest. A lot of the guys, and I also wrote about it, you know, they were, the first line was carrying them. Even after the, even during that, that seven-game losing streak, that month from February, from about mid-February until about early March, the first line was carrying them, and they were getting absolutely nothing from, from nobody else. So I think that you're going to have a, a much more motivated forward group. And, uh, you know, you do mention the third line. I can't wait to see what Pajot does. I think he's going to be a huge, huge X factor, like Staple said. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I, I'm interested to see who plays with him. I, I definitely think Tom Kunako will get the, will get a shot next to him, at least for one game. I, look, Tom, like as much as people loathe him being, you know, on the like on the forward group, he has playoff experience and he's a winner, and that's what Barry Trotz, you know, that's the kind of guys he needs, especially in the especially in the reality of the playoffs that the the Islands are going to experience now with the whole, you know, qualifying round and then having to go, if they go past that. So I think Kunak will get the chance on the third line with him. And um, I, I, I think Michael I uh, as my, you know, another guy who I, a lot of people just, he's still a question mark, but he plays that trot style. Trot likes, likes the way he plays. I think they could be a sneak. I think they could actually be a very underrated third line if they just do what they need to do. And, I think with Pajot being in the middle, and you having a guy like Dal Cole, I think he can elevate a guy like Dal Cole and you know maybe Dal Cole could surprise in this qualifying round. It, you know, it's, we've mentioned it a million times already. It's an even playing field, and you know maybe this is a kind of series where a guy like Michael Dal Cole could, you know, really show what he's made of. You know, he's big, he's big, he's strong. He, you know, he he just needs to, you know, find find that extra ump in his game, and maybe Pajot brings it out of him.
0: It's like you're in my head because, you know, I just finished writing an article that's going to come out tomorrow about the, the Islanders' third line. Um, to me, the, the third line as a whole, not just J.J. Peugeot, is going to be the X factor for the Islanders for the, you know, the, the play-in round and even further. The Islanders haven't had an identity on that third line since Valtteri Filippo left. Uh, he came in on that one-year deal after John Tavares left, and, and he filled that, that hole that was there. And it worked for them last year. It was great. Uh, This year, they brought in Derek Broussard. It didn't work out quite as the same as it did for Valtteri Filpula. But Derek Broussard has found success on the wing. So, whereas I agree with Rob that Kunako is going to be on that left side with the Joe, I don't think it's going to be Dal Cole, but I do think it's going to be Broussard on that right side because he has proven successful on the wing. Peugeot and Broussard are former teammates before the Islanders over in Ottawa. Um, they had a little bit of chemistry there. Uh, combined, those three have a 189 games played in the playoffs. That, that's totally a great forgot. third line right there.
1: I totally forgot that, about Derek Broussard. I, he,
0: he just that's totally. what I'm saying.
1: Oh, my God. That's I'm what I'm sorry.
0: saying. I, just, no. I, I completely, no, I completely had a
1: brain fart.
0: He, no, he will play it's,
1: over either. He'll play over Dalcol or Kunako, one or the other. I just completely – that's my fault, guys.
0: No, totally, yeah, it's fine. Totally Listen, him. It, people forget because he's been, so, he's been so all over the lineup, and I think that that was one of the issues that the, the forward group had with the Islanders. The third line was a who's who with a black hole. Peugeot gives them stability. Peugeot gives them uh, uh, consistency. And now I think you're going to see Kunako – Uh, Peugeot and Broussard on that line. Kunako with two cups. Uh, Broussard gets the Stanley Cup final with the Rangers in 2013-2014. And uh, Peugeot, four goals against the uh, the, the New York Rangers in game two just a couple years ago. These guys all have playoff experience. They have elevated uh, gameplay in the playoffs. I think that is your third line going into the play-in round against the Florida Panthers. Um, And I think the rest of the the lineup benefits from this. The fourth line was playing third-line minutes. The third line, most games was getting eight minutes a game because who was playing on that line? Barry Trotz was constantly, constantly shuffling that line. So now that there's stability, everyone's role falls into place, and I think that we're going to see an uptick in scoring, and I think that we're going to see uh, you know, much better play out of the forward group than we've had.
2: And I think for the Islander group, the fact that they played so well at the start of the season, that they had the 17-game point streak um, November, December, they know they can do it when all healthy, and I think um, again they've benefited as much as any team with the ability to get healthy, have a blank slate when they were really in such a funk uh, there for 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 so long, and ultimately were on the outside looking at look outside looking in uh, to a playoff position in terms of points when the season got paused. There's a lot of motivation there, but also the knowing deep down that. We were that team that was the best team in hockey there for about a month, month and a half stretch earlier in the season, and we have that team together, plus Pajot plus Green as a as a as a depth player uh, on the blue line. So uh, there's certainly a lot a lot of positive reasons why you can think the Islanders have a shot at making a deep run here. Uh, but of course, a lot of it's going to depend, guys, on goaltending. And I think with these short series, I think unless you have a clear-cut number one, which the Islanders, I mean, they have a 1-1-A type of situation between Grice and Varlamov. Remember, during that stretch when they were playing such great hockey, they were alternating every single game. You're going to see, I think, if, if, if Varlamov I think will get the first crack at it, but if he has a bad start, you know, Thomas Grice will have the opportunity, I think, to run with this again and get hot, maybe like he did back in 2015, uh, the 2016 playoffs, I should say. And it's an odd situation because his replacement's already signed. His replacement's going to be with the team and kind of learning the ropes and getting familiar with the organization. And we all know that this is probably the last time we're going to see Thomas Christ in an Islanders uniform. But he very well, Rob, may have the opportunity to make it a memorable one.
1: Absolutely. I feel like we're going to know who starts game one by the end of Wednesday night. I feel like might I think he'll do the 30-minute split for both goalies against the Rangers. I can't see where... Uh, where he goes, unless he wants to play, unless he wants to see a full game from Barlama or Grace, you know, it, it's an odd situation, like you said, Joe. But it also might be an advantage for the Islanders to have, you know, not. It, it might be a little bit of a question mark, and you know, maybe that that's something that Trotz wants, you know, going into the series. We know, we know, Florida is going to go straight with Barbrowski. he's their guy. It's, they signed him to that big contract in the off season. They brought him here for, you know, what for this type of situation, but for the Islanders. It is a toss-up, and uh, revisionist history. You could go with Bryce for the success he had in uh, against the against the Panthers a few years ago in the playoffs, but you know that doesn't matter now. All all that stuff is past, and you know even the the regular season stats that both Alama and Grice had against it, it's out the window. It, it really doesn't it doesn't matter now. Everything is a fresh slate. Everything is a clean slate. So uh, as much as I feel like I, I think. Grace should get the call. I think that Valama was the one who was playing very well most of the season, and until the Islands really started to falter because of their defense, defense, you know, I thought he was still playing well enough, and he was getting All Star consideration before uh, everything uh, uh, was called going near the All Star break, and you can't forget that. And if he can play at that, if he can play at that uh, type of game, and the Islanders defense could get back to what they do best. I feel like Barlamov is the guy they're going to go with, but you know, we'll see. I I feel like we will know by Wednesday night.
0: Yeah. I'm going to start by saying that, you know, Thomas Grice has been nothing short of exceptional uh, in his tenure as a New York Islander. Uh, He's never said Pete, he's done what he's asked and he's he's always done it really well. Um, That being said uh, going into this play around my gut says it's going to be Barlamov, but like Rob said on paper, uh, Grice has the history against having success with Florida so, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go in. Is it going to be Varlamov? Is it going to be Grice? But very similar as to what we said with the defensemen, you know, them bringing eight defensemen there, and they can swap anybody out at any given time. Game one, if it doesn't go right for Samyam Varlamov, game two, you, you bet Trotz is going to turn around and say, okay, Tom Thomas Grice, get in there, and we're going to see, if, you know, if you can lead us uh, to, to a victory here. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets the nod, but, if there is no strong play from whoever gets that first game, that second game, you, you bet that that, uh, that 1B goaltender is going to be uh, in the crease and starting game two.
2: And you said yeah, Thomas Grice, consummate professional, uh, led the Islanders to that playoff series win against the Panthers, him and, of course, John Tavares uh, breaking the 23-year um, lull without a playoff series victory. He'll always be remembered for that. And uh, for someone who, when the Islanders signed him as the backup, I had to look up and say, who is this guy? Where has he been? San Jose? Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I really don't remember seeing him uh, quite the Islander tenure he has had. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up from here. I really do appreciate the time. You guys are doing both great work. Um, James, you know, pumping out these podcasts on the Nassau men hockey podcast for the hockey writers and Rob, of course, uh, continuing to write and write and write during uh, this period. And, Uh, Now we get some hockey to talk about. It's going to be fun.
0: Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that we can uh, definitely do this again and talk about some of the success that we've had uh, in the next couple of weeks.
2: And I I should, before we go, because another big winner of the pause period was the Blue Line Deli, and I heard Rob uh, went there today. Um, Donald (laughs) Rosner, he's not a... I might be the only show that he's not... A sponsor of so far, but we will give some free ad <laughs> time how How was it
1: i, I it was great i I, uh, I spoke with Donald for a few minutes uh i I messaged him early in the week uh, and everything which is uh, just a great guy uh, look great food, a great place. I told him I would give him a shout out today uh, on the show, but uh, if you haven't gone there and you're an island fan, you got to get there it's it's just such a it's a great atmosphere like uh, the islander centric uh just everything to feel about it. You know, it's like you're walking into – almost like you're walking into someone's den with how much memorabilia and how much island stuff is in there. But, you know, great staff, great atmosphere, and the, the food was fantastic. I highly recommend it. And, yeah, you just got to – everyone's just got to get there. And if you haven't been there as an island fan, you're missing out.
2: It'll be a bit out of the way for me, but I will
1: yeah. definitely go. Yeah.
2: If in the area, I will definitely go. I'm still a little upset that the white whale sandwich does not have Russian dressing. I think that, that was a mistake. A I think we could have had a sandwich with a Russian dressing on there. It, it looks great. It it, it it sounded great when I just read the ingredients, but I felt like yeah. that was a missed opportunity. But I voted. I, tried, I went on my other account. I voted twice. Still lost. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks again. We'll do this again sometime uh, in the future. Thanks a lot.
0: Absolutely. You guys can't wait.
2: So that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. The Islanders playing a warm-up, a pre-qualifying tournament game against the New York Rangers on Wednesday night. No more do you have to watch the Islanders win every single game on MSG Plus, the 2019-20 season, plus all the best of the Islanders. Although I think MSG and MSG Plus did a great job during this period of putting those games together. I wish there were more of them, more obscure games occasionally, but they were definitely fun to catch. We get to see some Finally, some live hockey on Wednesday. And then the qualifying round begins on Saturday, 4 p.m. start. Islanders and Florida Panthers. And then back-to-back noon games Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, I don't know if you have to call in stick anymore, since you're probably working from home uh, during the pandemic. But you have to be online and have to see on at the same time. And then, of course, games 4 and 5, if necessary, scheduled for August 6th and August 8th. Special thanks again to Rob Taub and James Nichols for joining us. We'll talk to you next time, Islander's Country. Good night.